So this is um, part two of keep your eyes, um, no, keep, yeah, keep your eyes on the road. I'm telling you that door song rolls in my head. Yeah, keep your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel, right? Uh, let it roll, baby, roll. Um, so keep your eyes on the road, part two. Um, I wanted to finish last, last week's message, but I also wanted to add a little bit um, to it. So last week, just as a, as a review and as an overall review, we've been talking about um, this journey towards um, abundant life. And, um, and so as we've been talking about this, we've had dif- different um, aspects. We had, we, had, um, uh, we had an amazing Jill Blue came as a counselor and talked about the importance of, of good counseling and how mental health works into all of this toward a life towards abundant life. We talked about we started off talking about the Good Shepherd and how Jesus is the one who leads us out, um, leads us out to those pastures, right, to, to where we can go and find nourishment and um, to find that life that God's intended us to find. And He's the one who leads us out. And we need to go with Him. That this is not, uh, many times we look at it like when you talk, like for instance, when we talk about like freedom from maybe some life controlling issues, we think that, all right, well, I'm going to do this so that God can be happy with me. Or I'm going to do this because I got to work out this thing and I'm going to, I got to do it so that, you know, and somehow God is there, but he's not really helping me. The truth is that God is the one who leads you into freedom and is with you in the battle. He's not separate from you in the battle. He's with you in the battle. So, um, so we've been talking about some of those, those things. And, um, and last week we began to talk about distracted drivers. And we talked about in this road to abundant life, we can be distracted and we can keep our eyes. We can be standing on that hotel balcony and looking in the wrong direction when the shuttle is going up and all the people on the beach are blessed because they're looking at the right in the right direction, right? We weren't. Remember that? That was so crazy. That was so disappointing. They were so happy. All those people on the beach were so happy. Ah, they're taking pictures. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at the roof of my balcony. Anyway, so but we can we can uh, lose focus, right? We can, um, uh, and we talked about last week a uh, little backstory. We talked about Nehemiah last week, and um, actually we're actually in talking about Nehemiah in the Bible in the Bible school class that um, the uh, Sunday school class can we call it that Sunday school class? We it's okay. We can do Sunday school class, right? Um, but Al's been teaching um, uh, overview of the Old Testament. Actually, this morning we talked a little bit about. Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah, if you don't know, that was actually one book, and it was divided into two. Um, and we see in those in this Ezra and Nehemiah section of the biblical history, is we see that the the, the children of Israel were taken away into, into captivity in Babylon and Assyria, and then the Persians come over and they take over everything, and then the Persians, um, King Cyrus, if I remember. He, was allowed, he allowed the people to actually come back to um, Israel and to rebuild the, um, the temple. And we see that in Ezra. When Nehemiah comes around, several years later, the temple's already rebuilt. Um, much to say about that, but we, not today. Um, but the walls of the city around um, Jerusalem have been torn down, and they're not repaired yet. Those, those are still in rubble, and they're still burnt, and all the, 
all the things, and so because of the uh, destruction of, of Jerusalem. And then so, so uh, Nehemiah goes to the king and says, hey, king, um, will you allow me? Um, I got word that our, our, our um, walls are still in disarray. They're still down. Will you allow me to go? And um, he, he says yes, and, and he goes off, um, as we read last week. And, um, and we find out that um, he has tons of favor with the king. He has all the stuff that he needs. And when he gets there, he realizes that not everybody's excited about him building walls. You know what? Not everybody is going to be excited about you and, and walking in your abundant life. Whether it's people, whether it's jealous people, or whether it's the enemy himself, not everybody's going to be happy. You're going to have enemies that... that in this life, you're going to have things that are going to come against you to keep you from walking into things that God has for you. And so last week, we talked about this idea that you have to have a vision. In order to walk in this uh, abundant life, you have to have a vision for it. Nehemiah, when Nehemiah heard about the walls being torn down and on the, on the, oh, the walls being in disarray and destroyed, it says he wept for days. Something inside him. Something inside Nehemiah was so grieved that it moved him to weep. And so there's something on the inside of you. And then um, I love what when Craig Rochelle talks about this, he says this. He says, Nehemiah has this attitude, and I think it would do us good to have the same attitude. He's got, he says, Nehemiah says, somebody's got to do something about these walls, and it might as well be me. Somebody's got somebody's to fix this, and it might as well be me, even though he is a cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer is, basically. You know what a cupbearer is. Basically, it's just the, this idea of, hey, is that wine poisoned by somebody? I don't know. Cupbearer, taste it and see. That's the job <laughs> of a cupbearer, right? And so, like, here, here, die for the king, right? So, but his job, um, but his position didn't, didn't mean anything. Toward, it was the call of God to do what God called him to do. Amen? So that know that you have to have a vision. And the scripture says that without a vision, people cast off restraint. Or some versions say that people perish. Cast off restraint is the main idea here. And what, what he's saying is when you don't have a vision, you're, you're, you just do life, just whatever, whatever you want to do. But when you have a vision, the greatest example is any, any, any athlete, any professional athlete, when they train, they have a vision. We have a, we have a neighbor that breeds dogs and breeds um, these beautiful um, uh, German shepherds. And she literally, literally, she will walk in our neighborhood. She'll walk in our neighborhood. With, actually, I have a couple of people who trains dogs. <laughs> but this one, she's Russian. And she, she'll see, we'll see her, won't we, Lindsay? We'll see her walking the neighborhood. And she'll have like six or seven dogs all off leash. She is like, I like what somebody says. She goes, they go, that's like, that's like witchcraft. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. She is the queen. She's the queen of those dogs. Those dogs, whatever, those dogs. She'll literally be walking and she'll look at all of them and go, place. And every one of those dogs go, okay. Like, they just do it. Whatever she says, they just do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know what? You know what? She has a vision for those dogs. She knows how those dogs need to operate. And she knows what she's done? 
She studied. She is under, she actually, she trained dogs in the military. So she's learned. She's gone through the, 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 the trials of learning and failing and learning and more and learning about how dog behavior and how they work together. She's helped us. And um, so without a vision, without a vision, your dogs just go wild. Without a vision, you just go wild. You have to have a vision. You have to go, this is what, you know, I always say like this, not to me, you don't devil. Not to me. No, 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 no. Not to me. Uh, um, I'll get to that in a minute. But so you have to have a vision and you have to know that that vision is going to be opposed. Just because you have a vision doesn't necessarily mean that that vision is going to happen. I'll go even further than that. Just because you have a calling doesn't mean that calling is actually going to be visible to anybody. Remember, Paul tells Timothy, hey, the, the giftings that I've given, that God gives you, give yourself wholly to them so that people will recognize the gifting. That's what he says. Give yourself wholly, meaning that if you don't give yourself wholly, Timothy, you're not going to see the results that you want. Just because it's, you know, people say, well, I, well, I thought, I, I thought I was just supposed to just live an abundant life. I thought, it was, no, 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 you're opposed. You have an enemy who wants nothing but to steal, we know, kill and destroy, right? And so we need to understand that we have a vision. And so Jessica brought up a good point um, this week. And she says, you may want to tell people what abundant life really is. I was like, oh, yeah, because without a vision... Abundant life, you could think abundant life is, is um, you know, you, you, what I was trying to think, man, you have your yacht down in the Bahamas, and that's abundant life. Some people would tell you that's true. Some people will tell you, we have all that, you know, <laughs> let me just break your American bubble for just a second. The American dream is not necessarily abundant life. Do you know that you can experience abundant life like Paul did in a prison in Rome? So abundant life is a lot more than just, is it, uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute, but it's more than just stuff. And if we whittled our abundant life down to stuff, we have mi- you have missed it. So let me just talk about, so here's the problem with talking about abundant life. I can't go to such and such scripture and it gives you the definition. Many times, principles in the scriptures are not, are not like that. It's not like that. Even some of the scriptures that we go to, like even the, um, the great faith scriptures, Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews 11, when it talks about faith is the subject of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Well, that, that's good. But what you have to do, really, to get a full, rounded vision of what, that, what faith is and what faith looks like, is you have to go through the entirety of Scripture and see how people operated in faith. And see how people in the Scripture, it's a, um, and, and this abundant life is kind of like that. Abundant life. So what is abundant life? And this, I just wrote down some, some thoughts. Um, and like I said, it's kind of all over the place this morning. So I want to focus, and then I want to 
go to another scripture, which will seem completely out of whack, but I'm sure we'll, we'll land well because God's helping us. So here's some examples. I just want to give you some examples of what abundant life may, um, what, what, it, what it looks like. First of all, let's talk about this, freedom from fear. That is an, that's an that's abundant life principle. It's freedom from fear. Fear, it, you know, faith over fear, blah, 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 blah. It's now a saying, right? Faith over fear, blah, blah, blah. Like what you can live your life in the trust that God is taking care of you. The faith that God is taking care of you. God has not left you alone. And whatever you're going through, whatever the deal is, he has not left you alone, right? What's another aspect of, I'm going to go through these rather quickly. Another aspect of of abundant life is, is, um, is spiritual growth and maturity. That's abundant life. When we start having an understanding, a deeper understanding of God's truths in our life, and we start walking in those truths, it's abundant life. Increased faith, right? When we start developing Christ-like characteristics, regardless of what other people are doing, and we are operating in this new kingdom life, it's abundant life. It's abundant life. When we talk about growth, when we talk about like we, we reject the world, the world meaning people who are trying to do life outside of God, when we, when we, when we choose God's definitions of right, wrong, truth, and reality, when we choose those ways over the world's way, we walk in abundant life. Amen? So we, you know what? We need to go back. Let me just say this. We need to go back when we do, quote, unquote, altar calls. Instead of going, you know, you're a sinner and you need to get Jesus. True, right? True. But really, I think some of the, when I was younger, they had a little bit better way of doing it. They said, are you tired of living a life and you have no fulfillment? There's no joy. Are you trying, are all the things that you're trying to do outside of God not working? Why don't you turn? Why don't you turn to Jesus? He's got the answers, right? Why don't you, why don't you look into Jesus? Like, why don't you choose Jesus, right? And his ways and his, and yes, he forgives you. It's wonderful. He puts you, takes you, he puts you on solid ground, puts a new nature in you, right? But this idea of he just, he just saved, no, no, we, we have been transformed, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen. So what about that? What about this? Also, what is abundant life? You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have something to do on the planet. God, you have an, you have been given a calling from the king. A purpose from the king. And he goes, I want you, it's really wonderful. Go represent me in the world. You can discover what and how that all works. For you individually, you know, individually, how you are, you know, like, like you are made original, right? You are made an original and made somebody that, um, uh, that God intended and has a purpose for you that nobody else can do because of your personality, because of your uniqueness. And God has that purpose and he wants to live out your calling through that. Isn't that amazing? 
That's abundant life. Boy, when you just get connected with God's gifting and calling on your life and you start flowing in it, man, those are some of the happiest people on the planet that I know. That's, that's, you know what else is, else is abundant life? The hope of eternity. The, how many of you are grateful? Sometimes I just have to just go all the way back to this world is not the way God intended it. This is not the way God intended it. And God will restore it. He will, he shall make all things new. Right? He's going to take all the things and make them all new. Amen? Like a Ford Bronco, redone. Because you know what? Through life, it's got rust, and it's got dirt, and it's faded, the paint's faded, but God's going to remake that beautiful. Not the, not the remade, like the, nine, the 2024 Bronco. I mean, the old Broncos. Can I get an amen from some of you? When it was a real Bronco. Rear wheel drive. Praise God. There's a hope for eternity. Hope for eternity. There's, there's a life. You know what abundant life is? A life of generosity. A life of freedom to give. Freely that you've received, you freely give. That is so good. Abundant provision so that you're not in lack. If I haven't said it in the last month, I'll say it again. Poverty is a curse. You are called to live abundantly so that you can be generous in what you have. And then the scripture actually says that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? How many of you need a little joy? A little peace? How about this? Freedom from life controlling issues. Whether that's mental, whether that's physical, whatever those life controlling issues are, you're free. Free from that. You you don't have to have anything controlling you except the Savior. Amen. And He's only out for your good. He's only out for your blessing. So what are some examples of that? Anything that destroys friendships. Anything that has any life controlling issues, anything that's constantly, hear me, constantly causing um, gripping fear in your life. Any sinful desire that, that takes you and overcomes you. Selfishness. Anything that comes, families in this room, parents, anything that comes against your family. Lack, sickness. These things, if these things, all these things that affect God wants Zoe life, abundant life for you. For you. And if you want it, it doesn't come without a fight. It doesn't come automatically just because you want it. In America, it doesn't happen just because you want it. <laughs> or, hmm. You think you have a right to it. You have to fight for it. Mm. It got quiet in there on that one. We'll just move on. It's true. Amen, David. Thank you. (laughs) At some point, as a pastor, you give your own amens. 
You know what? But like we said before, remember, this is not just you doing the fighting by yourself, right? Think about the scriptures that say, um, uh, they like in the Old Testament, we inquired of the Lord whether to go out and fight. And we went out and fought and the Lord fought for us. Well, who did it? Did they do it? Or did the Lord fight for them? Yes. Yes. Nehemiah. He says, we did everything we needed to do and the Lord helped us build the wall. Right? So there's a our part and there's a God's part. God's part is the supernatural part that we can't do. But there are parts that you can do. And here's where I want to go with this message this morning. And here's where, with that in mind, many times, and actually this is my story. One of the, one of the things that God helped me overcoming some life-controlling issues was this scripture right here. And I thank God, and I told you about my pastor last week, um, uh, if you know him, uh, he's a radical dude. He is a radical dude. When I was moping around the church, I may remember that story. Moping around the church, and the uh, and he told me, he goes, don't you mope around this church no more. He goes, are you forgiven? Yes, sir. You believe God's going to restore your marriage? Yes, sir. Well, then act like it. Yes, sir. He goes, don't go moping around my, his words, don't go moping around my church like a whoop pup. Some of you are like, that's hard. Either I believe it or I don't. And many times your belief will show up on your face. Who said that? And I'm going to prove it right here. Here we go. Here we go. This scripture. So Paul writes this letter to Corinthians that we actually we don't have. So we're, we have First and Second Corinthians that Paul writes. Evidently, there seems to be, most theologians say, there seems to be a letter that was written between there and that in that letter, Paul was really harsh on them about some things. You got some sin stuff going on and you need to get rid of it. Matter of fact, Paul almost in this scripture, he's grieving. In 2 Corinthians, he's referring to that letter and he's grieving saying, man, I think I may have been too hard on those guys because I know y'all like suffered because of that letter. But watch what he says. Picking up in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, He's talking, to, talking about that letter that we, like I said, we don't have. He says, for even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. There you go, Paul. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while. Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as the Lord willed, so that you did not experience any loss from us. Watch this. For godly grief produces repentance, which leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. Let's stop right there. Notice, there is a difference between godly sorrow, godly repentance, and worldly repentance, or worldly grief. Godly grief produced repentance. Worldly grief produced death, which means then that that worldly grief did not produce change that would have led to life. That worldly grief, so if you operate in worldly grief, we're going to define that here in a minute, that if you don't expect to overcome and live in that abundant life that God's called you to live in, 
Worldly grief is going to cause more death. But godly grief is going to cause you to have true repentance that will bring life. Man, I wish I knew what that looked like. Well, he tells us in the very next scripture, watch what godly grief produces. For consider how much diligence this very, uh, in, this very thing, this grieving as God wills, watch this, has produced in you. Here he starts describing them. What desire to clear yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What deep longing. What zeal. What justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. Godly repentance looks like something. Godly repentance is not, I'm sorry, or oops, I got caught. Godly repentance is, has to do with, I mean, if, if you get this, like, remember I said last week, and, and some of you looked at me cross-eyed, but that's okay. It's true. So, remember I said, sometimes people come into my office, and they, remember that? And they mess with some of you. And, and, and I look at them and I go, you're not ready. They have a life controlling issue or they got something going on or they have a financial thing that's going on. I give them some suggestions about what they can do and people are unwilling to do it. Okay. I can't fix that. I can't fix that. That is not repentance. Repentance is, I don't care what it takes. I don't care. It, 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 I am so, I have so much indignation on the inside of me. I, that is not who I want to be. How dare I have lack in my home? How, no, how dare I have lack in my home? I might need a second job. Oh, no, we're not spiritual anymore. No, I might need a second job. I might need to find a new job. Whatever it takes. I love what, um, what's the financial guy? Dave Ramsey. I mean, some of you may have seen this. I love it. He goes, you know how you can tell somebody's going to be in middle class forever? This is Dave Ramsey talking. He goes, I see a middle class home. He goes, and I see two cars out in the front. And I know each one of them have a $700 monthly payment. He goes, you know what? They're going to be in middle class forever. It's, it's not all spiritual, folks. Like whatever it takes, whatever it takes. You want to get out of debt? What, yeah. Dave Ramsey, rice and beans. You can't keep spending. You can't keep spending and expect yourself to get out of debt. And quote scripture saying that you're going to get out of debt. You can't quote favor on your job if you're, if you're not carrying your weight on your job. If you're the guy, and listen to this. You're not going to win your coworkers to Jesus if you're the one that everybody else has to work harder for because you're not carrying your weight. That's right. 
This, this ain't all pray and believe, folks, right? It's this, I don't care what it, for me, I, don't, I didn't care what it took. You know what I wanted? I wanted my family back. I wanted, I wanted, this, I wanted to do right by this woman right here that God's given me. And I did harm, whatever anybody thinks. And so my deal, well, I'll remember this. And I'll just say it. So my deal was pornography for a long time. Long time. Thank God. That was how many years ago? 20 years ago. Praise God. Free. Free. But it didn't come wishing and a-hoping. This was, long, this was decades of pornography addiction. It didn't, it didn't leave just because I came down to somebody on my head. It came, you know what it came? No, 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 no. Not to me. Not to me and my family. And so I remember my pastor goes, you need to go to counseling. I go, okay. Actually, I, made, I did it, I said it in my heart that I submitted myself under my pastor. And I said, whatever he asked me to do, I'm going to do it and I'm going to overdo it. That was my attitude. I'm going to do it and I'm going to overdo it. Because so, I asked him to walk, I said, will you walk me through? Aren't you, aren't you grateful? I was so grateful to freedom. Aren't you grateful? You know, I was on staff. Oh, it was a mess. Guys, it was a mess. Public. Some of y'all remember. Public. Everybody knew. I became the poster child for pornography in my old church. <laughs> but you know what I had? There were men coming out of the woodwork. Hey, bro, hey, bro, me too. I also told the devil, I said, you will rue the day you ever mess with me. I'll watch so many people get free and set free and overcome because of this. I'm going to learn the keys. I'm going to learn how to do it. And you'll rue the day you ever mess with me. I'm getting my family back. I'm getting my wife back. We're going to be better than ever. I'm getting my ministry back. It's going to be better than ever. So my pastor asked me to go to counseling. So, all right, go to counseling. Men don't go to counseling, especially back not 20 years ago. It was different. Now it's like, you know, it's part of everybody's bill. You have a therapy, therapy person, which is fine. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Go, like, I please go get Jill. Like, she's like, load her up, keep her busy. I went to counseling so much, and um, whatever he said, like, and then he brings Julie in. And I went, oh yeah, thank the Lord, finally, finally. Now we're gonna get. Now we're gonna get some places. So man, he comes in. He messes my whole world up because I was still wrong on all these other issues. But you know what I didn't do? Bow up. Own my part. I, her part's on her. Own my part. It's amazing how you own your part. It's amazing how much peace. I went to counseling so much. For, was it over about a year? About a year. I could tell, like towards the end, 
when it was like I'm about 10 months in. I'm going there every week, every week. That's a lot of weeks. 52 to be exact. 52. 52. He might as well have been my pastor, my preacher. And I remember, I remember um, I, I would say, all right, I'm going to counseling again. And Julie's like, I'm, I, I can feel it. Like, still? Like, okay, all right, so sure, whatever. Because you know what? I want it dead. If I can glean any more stuff, that, I mean, he asked me to go, I'm going to overdo it. And finally, my counselor went, hey, um, I got like a master's degree in this. And I do this all the time. He goes, I got nothing else to tell you. Go to your counselor. When has your counselor ever said, I don't need to see you anymore? Just saying. Either we're serious about it or we're not. Like I'm telling you, like I said last week, you kill it and you dig it back up and you kill it again and then you dig it back up and then you kill it again. Right? Because listen, it's, it's, it's indignation. The zeal, a justice that fills you. You go, no, not to me, you don't devil. The other day, we were, we had been battling. Julie was sick. This past week, I was sick the week before. My dog got two dogs. Their stomachs are not right, which causes you to get up in the middle of the night and take them outside. We'll just say that. Both of them, both dogs. And they both have to get up at different times. So literally, Julie's sick, and I'm literally getting up four times a night, four or five times a night, taking these dogs out. And you know what? We just, we went, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I said, Julie, let's pray. And not this, Lord, Lord, help me. Help me in this difficult trial that we are facing. I know that you are all sovereign. And you care for the lowly. And God, we're lowly. Amen. No, that is not how we prayed. It went something like, shut up and get out. Not, no, 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 no more. No more. No more, no more sickness, no more difficulty, no more. Listen, all this stuff starts happening. No more discouragement. Come on. Not, not in my house. This, my house is a house of prayer. My house is the house of the Lord. My house is the, uh, the, the present keeper, the presence keeper of God in my home. Not to my house, you don't devil. And you know what? You could sense it in the air. Yeah. Almost right away. Something switched. I even told her, I said, do you sense that? I go, nothing has changed, yet everything changed. And, and we've seen it. Things began to change. Things began, what's that? And the natural began to change. I'm telling you. Not to me, no. And it doesn't come with little pat them on the head prayers. I told, we, me and George are talking about, it. sometimes we just do, we, we don't cast our devils out, we just pat them on the back. They're there. We were talking, he has a, he, 
I, I will, oh. Mm. Nope, I can't tell that story now. Sorry. People, people in our world battle anxiety and they fight it in wild ways. Listen, and, and, and we say, it's, oh, it's okay, this is the way they deal with it. No, not, not the church. Not the church. You stand up against darkness. Listen, if you have some, if, like OCD, all those, all those things, do I have compassion? Please, we have probably not had enough compassion for people who battle these things, 100%. But we don't pat them on the back and welcome them into our house, and our place. What do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do to have abundant life even if I still have this? Amen? Even if. When these temptations come, how do I deal with them? When these, when these uh, manifestations start happening, how do I deal with them? We don't pat them on the back. No, we're called to live overcoming abundant life. That's what we're called to do. I love it. You know what I love at church? I know I can say these things because you're mature enough to receive them. So the world gives us two, the people, there's two types of repentance. There's worldly repentance and there's godly repentance. Let me read that again. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, and what justice that that produced. Listen, when I read that scripture, when I was going through that, I went, that's where I've missed it. Because I kind of just liked my sin. It was something that I can kind of control. It was kind of something that, that, you know, whatever. It was kind of, God will forgive me. Every Every time I do it, God forgives me. Yes and amen. But that did give me an excuse not to fight. He gives you grace to overcome. He gives you grace and forgiveness so that you can get up and engage in the fight. How can you can't fight if you're broken down by shame? If shame grips you, you're toast because you can't fight. You can't fight back. You got to stand up like my pastor told me to. Stand up, quit your moping around, and get up, put up your fists, and let's go. Amen? Let's all stand up. Worship team wants you to come back. Man, I could preach this for weeks. You got to understand, like, what David, you're like, some, some of y'all last week, David, you are so passionate. We want you always like that, all those things. You know why? Because this was my story. And I didn't overcome it. And, and you know what? My, and I'll say this. My daughter was old enough to remember those days. But you, listen, men, let me tell you something, men. If you're going through stuff or anybody, you're going through it. You know what my daughter now sees me as? That guy fought for my mom. There's a husband who fought for his wife and fought for his family. So you know what she's going to choose when she goes to get a husband? A fighter. That's right. You ain't met. Don't cross Nick. So we're going to go out of here celebrating this morning. If you're battling stuff this morning, I want you to, I want you, you are forgiven, right? You are full of the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need to fight. 
And part of it is going out in praise and worship. This first part of this year may have been terrible for you. It does not dictate how this thing's going to end. Amen. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship.